All right, then. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Praise the Lord. God bless all of you this morning. La-di-da-di, everybody this morning. We give God praise. We give God glory. We give God honor. Pastor Sharon, I just want to greet y'all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and welcome you this morning once again back to the Creating a Prayer Culture for God, where we come together at 6 a.m. every morning to counter everything that the enemy's got going on out there. We know that these are some very, very perilous, troublesome times that we're in, but God promised me that he was going to show favor in these troublesome times to the people of God, the saints of God. Amen. And so we're standing on the promises of God. So I just want to encourage you this morning. Just be encouraged this morning and know that the Lord fights our battles for us. Our job is to continue to maintain our profession and confessions this morning. That is our fight. Our fight is a good fight of faith all the way to the end, enduring. Amen. And these things and these hardships like a good soldier. Amen. Because we have been well trained and well prepared and we exercise and use and employ the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So don't forget what those weapons are. One of the most powerful weapons we have is the sword of the spirit and prayer. Amen. Those are good offensive weapons and the enemy has no match for those weapons. Amen. If we pray, especially if we pray according to the promises of God. So we just want to welcome you all this morning to this creating a prayer culture for God prayer line this morning. Uh, I am Pastor Pastor Hayes, amen, here with my lovely wife, Pastor Sharon Hayes, and we're just glad to be here this morning. This is Monday morning, October the 5th, and I would tell you right now, 2020, this is probably going to be one of the toughest months, amen, when you talk about spiritual warfare, because this is the month right here, man, where all of the demons in hell, man, began to come out and people, man, because of Halloween and people are already kind of out in front putting out all this stuff out there. As you drive in the neighborhoods, you see it out there on people's grass, on the yards, on their houses, spider webs, all this stuff trying to generate fear that speaks of death and blood and, and, and the devil and demons and goblins and all that stuff, man, and tombs and you know, and that's just a movement of an evil spirit out there, man, trying to entice people, create fear in people. And we know, man, that is going on. And so this is going to be a tough month. But you know what? We've had the victory before in this month. We'll continue to have the victory because it doesn't change who we are. It doesn't influence us. And so we want to be with you today in prayer over your communities and your neighborhoods because a lot of us have young children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and, and children that deal with and grandchildren that deal with all this stuff. And they and they sometimes the school system that I'm so glad they ain't in school right now because they'll have them in there, man, you know, practicing this stuff, wearing costumes and all this stuff and parents dressing up and going to school with all this crazy stuff on and Walmart and Targets and all these places stocking their shelves with all this crazy stuff, man, promoting this agenda of the devil for this month. But then they in the name of Jesus, we just thank God that he has shut that door, man. We thank God in the name of Jesus for, uh, for right now what's going on, that people don't have access to all this evilness, all this craziness, even though there's some people got it in their storage and they're pulling it out right now, you know, and putting that stuff out there, man, in the neighborhoods. And so this is a, a, an additional attack that we're going to have to deal with this month. So every time you see this stuff, man, look, God has given us power here on earth to bind these things that we see on earth that's not of God. And so let's remember that when you see it going up, when you see it, when you ride by, say, I bind the influence of it right now over anybody in this neighborhood that drive through this neighborhood in the name of Jesus. 
Jesus. That poison and toxic spirit will not enter into their minds, into their life. They will not have nightmares laying up there trying to sleep at night, man, in the name of Jesus. And then release the peace of God, the grace and the love and the mercy of God over that neighborhood and keep on driving. You know, we're in a war, y'all. And so we don't want to be sidetracked too much with all the other stuff we've been dealing with. Now this is something totally new and different that we're going to have to deal with. But I just believe that God has prepared us and equipped us that we fight from this position of victory and not for the victory. Amen. Because all these demonic influences and things have to bow to us. We don't bow to him because God has given us power to tread upon these serpents and scorpions over all the power and works of the devil. And we know that that is the work of the devil. Let's call it what it is. It is the work of the devil in the neighborhoods. Amen. He's trying to influence people, trying to bring fear on people, trying to distract people. You're, amen. A lot of people will be killed, still and destroyed because they go out and practice and go out to these old parties, go out to all this old crazy stuff, dressed up like devils and demons and, and, and everything, man, trying to, you know, I don't know what they're trying to promote, man, but it's suicide, if you ask me, man, to go out there and, and, and people take things to the extreme, you know, they, they, they want to be, you know, they want to be more daring and more fearing than anybody else, and sometimes it costs people their life, so let's be aware of that, amen, thought I'd put that in there so we'll be on the alert and, and, and use the weapons that God has given us to bind on earth and is bound in heaven, to loose on earth and is loosed in heaven, amen, amen, so, so much for that, amen, so let's pray and get in this word this morning and talking about the revelation that Jesus Christ had an awesome time yesterday starting at 6 a.m. in the morning and awesome time at 10.30 praise and worship and lit us up this morning, battled the enemy in Psalm before the word went forth, ministered with my wife yesterday, amen, at 11 o'clock and what a word out of Psalms 27 and spilled right on over, man, into the revelation of Jesus Christ and we had an awesome, incredible time yesterday and we will continue to go forth as we continue to pick up this discussion this morning and talk about the revelation of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> what an awesome umbrella that we're under and what awesome cloud and God is just blessing us, amen, with his word, amen. So let's pray and get in this word. Abba, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is your kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And Father, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor this morning. We know, God, you fight our battles for us. We know you have transferred us into a position of victory and seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And so we don't have to come and fight for a victory that you've already given us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 57. We stand in that victory. We war in that victory. We fight from that position of victory. And Father, we thank you. You have done that through your son, Jesus Christ. Now, Holy Spirit, you are the promise of the Father. You are the spirit of truth. We ask you this morning to continue to lead and guide and direct us right now to, make, to continue to bring everything back to our remembrance that we've already learned. And then may we continue to look to you to show us things to come and, and to continue to teach us things that we do not know yet. And we're asking, Holy Spirit, that if, no, if anyone on this line right now that's under the sound of my voice that have not been baptized in you, I pray that you will baptize them in yourself this morning in the name of Jesus. And I give you the praise. I give you the glory because only you can baptize men and women as you see fit this morning. And so I pray that as they hear this word, that you will come upon them and baptize them with yourself this morning 
in the name of Jesus and send forth whatever evidence that they need to be assured that they are baptized in the Holy Ghost, whether that be speaking in tongues, whatever that might be. I just pray for it to happen this morning as we're ministering this word this morning in the name of Jesus. We give you all the praise, the glory and the honor. We're praying for living water to come forth this morning as we talk about the revelations of the living water of Jesus Christ. You said out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. We claiming that this morning in the name of Jesus before this word go forth. We thank you for it and we praise you for it right now for all of our listeners lost, backslidden this morning that does not feel with the Holy Ghost this morning sealed and healed and have the victory this morning. All of those prodigal sons and daughters, gays, straights out there, anyone under the sound of my voice, atheists, any other denomination out there that struggle with the deity of Christ. I pray that if this word go forth this morning about the revelation of the living water of Jesus Christ, that that water will begin to move in them this morning as this word go forth. Let it fall on good ground and not come back, boy. You said it's at the hearing of your word that we receive faith this morning to believe that we can receive. And if we receive this morning, I pray that it be the Holy Ghost. Lord God, as he come upon them right now, the gift of the Father to us in Jesus' name, the promise of the Father in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right then, well, pray, <clears throat> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I want to talk to you this morning, amen, again out of the book of John. We're going to start in chapter 4 this morning, amen. Try to cover about 14 verses this morning if we can get down that far, but uh, that's all right. We're going to put a good effort in this morning, and we're not in a hurry to go anywhere. <clears throat> but I want to talk to you this morning from a subject uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the living water. And uh, this is out of the book of John chapter four, uh, really verses one through 42 of the King James Bible. But like I said, we're not going to try to cover all that territory this morning. But we are, this, is, this is really revelation, the 10th revelation. We uh, covered revelations eight and nine yesterday. And so we're moving right along, amen. <coughs> not going to review all of those revelations this morning. We did yesterday. But this is the 10th revelation, amen, about Jesus Christ. And I love this uh, revelation here about the living water. We finished up the third chapter yesterday to me, which is one of the most pivotal, uh, powerful uh, chapters in the Bible, which is John, uh, the book of John, chapter 3, uh, all 36 verses, especially verse 16 and 17 and verses 3, 3 through 5. Uh, you know, that's just common uh, verse that is used so much in preaching of the gospel. Uh, amen. And so we want to transition this morning into chapter four. And uh, we're going to see here where Jesus Christ always offers living water to any and everyone who thirsts for it. I love that about Jesus. If you thirst for that living water, then he offers it to anyone who thirsts for it. Amen. And there's bread that he gives us, too. If you're hungry, he'll give you bread. He's the bread of life. He'll give you that good, fresh manna. And we're going to get living water this morning as we receive uh, the bread of the word this morning. You know, the, the, the fresh manna from heaven this morning. As it comes this morning and feed us, the living water is supposed to begin to move inside of us. That's what he promised. And so we're going to get this revelation uh, this morning. And always remember now, if you really want to change your life, there's five things that I told you that you should do. And number one, you should hear the word, which you're going to get an opportunity this morning to hear the word that is spoken and taught to you this morning. Uh, amen. That comes out of the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then you want to go on and study the word of God because the scripture also says, study to show thyself approved unto God as a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Amen. I want to say that's in the book of Second uh, Timothy, chapter two, verse 15, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, then it goes on to say, you know, that we have to read the word of God. It's just so good to read the word of God so that you will know it for yourself. Don't just take our word for it. 
Just go read the word of God. I know a lot of times we push note taking on you, but don't read your notes more than you read your Bible. Amen. And so go to the pure source of the word and make sure you take your notes with you and read the, read the word and then write down some more stuff and add to your notes. Amen. But always read the word. Spend most of your time reading the word because the word is the living. Jesus is the living word. Amen. And then we talked about, you know, meditating on the word because Things happen when you meditate on the word. God begins to speak to you. Amen. He takes you to a deeper place. Uh, you give yourself a little bit more time to kind of hone in on it and focus in on it. So that's why you meditate on it. Ponder over it. Think on it. Don't just rush through it. Amen. Like you're going to put out a fire. Amen. But you're trying to start a fire. Amen. And so uh, then there's that memorization uh, drill that we do to memorize the word so that we would have the word readily available. It's a good thing to memorize the word because when you look in the book of Luke, Jesus had the word available when he met with Satan face to face and he had it readily available. And he said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of almighty God. And so that's the number one reason right there why we memorize the word to have it readily available. So those are five things we gave you. And if you do those things on a consistent, persistent basis, it will revolutionize your faith walk. I'm telling you, take you to a whole nother level. I'm speaking from personal experience right there with the word that was given to us early on. We put that and implemented that into our life. And before you know it, I mean, hey, man, the scriptures just start, the Holy Ghost just start bringing them back to me when I needed them because I was up in D.C., man, dealing with a whole lot of craziness up there. Amen. And so we want to be able to uh, look at what John the Revelator wrote uh he john that was that was uh put on patmos called john the revelator john the divine uh john the theologian you know he was john the apostle he was john the beloved uh the one that laid on jesus christ's <clears throat> bosom that jesus loved him uh his writing as we've learned is a little bit different from the other gospels he deals with the signs the wonders the miracles they dealt with the acts of of, of jesus amen and we know that he's responsible for writing the book of Revelation. He's also responsible for writing the Gospel of John. And uh, we just thank God for, for John's writing. And he's the one that got the first revelation, uh, really wrote about the living water. Amen. In the New Testament. Amen. And so there are other scriptures that talk about the, the living water. Amen. But but he, he wrote, you, you can look over in the book of Jeremiah, chapter two, verse 13, talks about it. Uh, verse 17, I mean, chapter 17, uh, verse 13, all of them, the prophet, they describe God as the spring of living water. Uh, very prophetic word right there. Zechariah also describes it uh, as living water. Uh, you know, you just so many uh, scriptures. Zechariah, chapter 14, verse eight talks about the living water. And uh, verse uh, verse four in Zechariah talks about the living water. And uh, but we're going to deal with John's revelation about the living water, because those prophetic uh, words about living water and springs of living water, they describe God, giving a descriptive image and pitch of God. They don't go into the kind of detail that John goes into. They're just kind of like foretelling they're kind of like foretelling. They're giving descriptions of God. Amen. But we're going to actually see God through Jesus Christ as the living water. We're going to see the signs and the wonders and, the, and really what that looks like in real time. Amen. But understand, God is the only one that can produce living water. Just like we say Jesus Christ is the living word and the living word is God, was with God and was God. And so, see, God is the only one that can cause something to live. And if you go back to the book of John, the first chapter, it talked about that Jesus was 
the life of every every man and he was the light of every man. Okay. And so we see right there that he is the one that gives life to the water, to the living water that he's talking about, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the living word of God. He's also the living water of God. Amen. And so please understand that nobody else can give you no living water. You can go to a conference if you want to buy you some holy water. You can go do all this stuff. They sell that stuff, man. Holy water, all kind of stuff, man. You know, holy oil and holy blankets and holy shawls and holy handkerchiefs. People do all this stuff, man. But see, nobody can give life to any of those things but God. And there are instances in the Bible where God do use things, man, and anoint things. Paul had handkerchiefs. But see, that was Paul. Paul was anointed of God. And that anointing came through God. It wasn't Paul's anointing. It was God's anointing on those handkerchiefs. And so we, a fleece, there was a fleece that was, that was thrown on the ground, you know, for due to, due to be on, appear on the ground as a sign. You know, that, that's, that's God. You know, and, and, and when you had trustworthy men of God who was in right standing with God, who was upright before God, God would always allow signs and wonders to follow them. But it was God. They gave God the glory. They didn't take no credit for themselves. They didn't try to sell or merchandise or market this stuff because they knew the anointing of God was to destroy the yoke. They didn't need to present God. God would present himself. But it was good that they knew and had some knowledge of him and that when they said something, God brought it to pass because they only said what they knew that God could do. You know, they were limited in what they could do, but they said things that they knew God could do. They spoke things that be not as though they were because they knew that God was a living God. And they knew that God had called them, that God was going to honor them. And so here John is with this revelation. Amen. Talking about this living water. And that's the revelation we're going to deal with this morning. So let's just kind of take a look at what some of the scriptures say about this living water. Uh, living water is good for the spiritually thirsty. Okay, verse 10 of the book of John chapter 4 says, it says this, uh, you know the situation, a young woman coming to the well, and, and, and there's an exchange. She gives the Lord water out the well, and he gives her Lord water out of the well of his spirit, you know. But let's kind of take a look at some scriptures right here. We want to start out with, just to preface this, this, these 14 verses we're going to deal with this morning, from John, uh, the fourth chapter, the book of John, the fourth chapter, verse 10. Look at how it starts out. We're talking about the living water, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the living water that is good for the spiritually thirsty. This is in the book of John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 54, but we're only going to deal with a few of those verses this morning. But let's start out with verse 10 and preface this message, and I'll give you some other scriptures too. Listen to what this just says. It says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it was that saith to thee, Give me to drink. Thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. And so you see, Jesus, I, I love Jesus because he always meets people where they're at. And the thing about Jesus, he already know your thoughts are far. He know what you're thinking. He know what you're going to say. See, that's just the wisdom of God. That's the anointing of God on his son to already know what a person is thinking before they ever say anything. It's the same thing with, when you flip it around. God already know what we have need of before we ask, you know, because he's all knowing. He knows our thoughts are far. He knows every hair on our head. There's nothing you can hide from him. But I love the fact that he does not come in with a hammer and an axe here, man, and beat over the head. He just comes in, man, and engages in a conversation and meets her right where she's at. Now, she wasn't even supposed to be out there in the open like that. And she knew he wasn't supposed to have any contact with her. 
But see, man, when God ordains something, regardless of what man says or what man thinks, it's going to go down the way God planned it. This was not no, no, no coincidence here. This was not no accident. Jesus had planned to go this way, go through this route, because everybody else avoided this route. Even his disciples was a little bit wishy-washy about why he going this way. Because they knew who was on that road. They knew that those were Samaritans out there, mixed race of people. They were considered outcasts, that they were not supposed to have any contact with them. But let me tell you something. When Jesus left heaven as the incarnated word of God made flesh, as the son of God, he already saw this particular woman at this well. So it wasn't no nothing new for him. He went there looking for her, you know, to give her some living water. Because she had been coming there every day after, after the town folks, the so-called high-class Diddy folks came and fed their stock and, and went on back about their business. Then she came out of the wood line to get water for her folks who lived up in the rocks and in the mountains and in the woods, couldn't be seen out in public. They were considered a shame and a disgrace. These are the ones that Jesus came to seek and to save. Everybody else was good. They didn't think they needed no Savior. They was good to go. They was healed. They, were, they had the best of life. But Jesus comes looking for those people, man, who need Jesus, who need a savior, who need a healer, who need a doctor. You know, he came looking for them and he found her. Now, you think about all of the people that Jesus had come by because he had left from Judea on his way here to meet this woman. And so he could have circumvented and went around this street, this, this road, you know, avoided it altogether. But see, when you when you when you're on a mission from God, you can't avoid things. You know, it's, it's hard and it's difficult sometimes. And as it may seem, if God told you to do it, it doesn't matter about anything else you do. And so many times God tells people to do things and they want to try to go do what they want to do. They want to try to help God out. They don't want to do it the way God told them to do it. But Jesus already had his mission. He already had his orders from, from God to go seeking to save that which was lost. And when he accepted that mission, that's what he had to do. And a lot of people didn't understand that, especially his disciples. You know, they were concerned. And so when he gets to this well, meet this woman, man, they want to know why is he talking to her and why is she talking to him? And he sent them away. They were so concerned about, you know, some food, that flesh, feeding that flesh, you know, gluttony, all of that, you know. He sent them away and told them, yeah, yeah, go on in the town and buy you some food. Go, go, go on over there, man, to 7-Eleven, get your slurpee or something, you know. Just go ahead on. Go ahead on. You know, I'm just using that as a figure of speech. But that's basically what he did. He released them because he knew they didn't understand his mission right then. They didn't understand. And he didn't want them there ridiculing the woman. Most of all, he did not want the lady to be uneasy because they were there. And she knew that they, they didn't, weren't supposed to have any contact. So Jesus relieved her of that concern. I love that about Jesus. He relieved her of having to worry about that. He relieved her of that concern so he could just have one-on-one -on -one encounter with her. And I love this exchange, man. But that's how he is because he's the living water. See, he's the living water. OK. And he wanted her to have this living water. But he challenged her to say, well, you give me what you have and I'll give you what I have. You know. And so over in the book of John, chapter seven, verse 37 and verse 38, the King James Bible, look at what it says about this living water. It says in the last days, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if a man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, this is about to happen with this young lady at the well. She don't know it yet, but exactly what he's saying right here, what John is writing right here, is exactly what's going to happen in the last days. 
That's why this morning my prayer was about what he's promised was going to happen in the last days. I'm believing God to pour out his spirit on all flesh, all flesh, because these are the last days that we're living in of this age. And so just like it happened back then, we got a great example right there in the book of John, chapter four, verse 10. And then we see God calling for it right here in the book of John, chapter seven, verse 37 and 38. If you just thirst. Remember now, Jesus wants to give this living water to anyone who's spiritually thirsty. Some people don't know they're spiritually thirsty, you know, but we offer them that living water anyway, which is Jesus. Uh, he goes on to say in the book of Revelation, chapter 7 and verse 17, the King James Bible, he says, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto the living fountains of water. Now, remember, we just talked about the bread of the bread of life. Jesus, look at what he said. He going to feed you and then he going to give you living water from the fountain, you know, of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, you know. And so he's the alpha and he's the omega. If he feeds you now, he's going to feed you tomorrow, you know, all the way to the end and then beyond that. And so once you once he feeds you, you're fed. Once he give you water, you, you, you know, you, you don't thirst no more. You know, it, it'll always sustain you and uphold you because he is the living water. And he feed those who are hungry and he gives drink to those who are thirsty. And I love in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, man, these verses right here. I got to read this because this blessed me. The chapter, the whole chapter blessed me. Listen to what it says. And he showed me a pure river of water. This is in the last book of the Bible a pure river of water of life, clear and crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the streets of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and in it his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Now, that's the mark that a lot of people be talking about, you know, the mark of the beast. But look at what they say about the children of God. We're not going to have that mark in our foreheads, talking about it in your brain. By then, by this time right here, you would have so much knowledge about Jesus until when you're standing there and you're with him and you're in his presence, you'll be able to recognize exactly why you're there and why he's there and what and what's what, what is taking place because the scripture would have fulfilled themselves. That's the mark we got to get now so that we can end up right there then. OK, that's going to be our, our signature right there. What's in our brain? What's in our mind? What have been what have we been renewed with? You know, and then he goes on to say. Ain't going to be no, no tattoos, ain't going to be no chips and all that. Now, there may be some people who serve Satan who want all that stuff. Remember now, he got a system, too, to mark his people. That's not for us. That, that mark of the beast is not for us. However that beast want to mark his people, that's on them. But this is our minds are being renewed to the things of God. That's our signature right there, what's in our minds. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the God... For the Lord God giveth them light, 
and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto, unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. God is showing it to us right now. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book, not some other book. You know, get all that product off the table if you want to. But you better make sure you go read your Bible so you know what's going on. Mark your mind up with the Bible. Get your mind renewed into the word of God. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angels uh, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. We all worship God. Jesus isn't saying we all worship God. You know, all of us worship God. Nobody get around worshiping God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book yet, for the time is at hand, and he that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city, for that city that he went away to prepare for us, for without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. We just read that yesterday. Okay. He's saying these here will be without. You ain't getting in the city. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Without that living water that'll change your life, washed all this stuff out of you, you're not going to get in there. You know, ain't, ain't, no, ain't, no, ain't no way. You know, he says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things where in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is, is, is a thirst come. Anybody who wants some living water, let him come to Jesus. He'll give you that living water if you are spiritually thirsty and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely, that living water. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, that's why we preach the pure, unadulterated, infallible, authentic word of God. We don't add nothing or take nothing. God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Clergy, y'all better get back into the gospel and preach and teach the gospel and stop making up your traditions and creating your own righteousness. He which testifies these things saith. He which testifies these things saith. He which testifies these things. They are written that we might believe now that Jesus is the Son of God and his name is the only way that we can have eternal life. Whoever testifies these things, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus 
Christ be with you all. Amen. And that's in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 1 through 21, the King James Bible. It might be good to read that sometimes and spend some time just meditating on that. Jesus Christ offers us the living water, you know. Out of our belly, he wanted to flow. Amen. Uh, so when we go to the book of John, chapter 4, verse 1 through 14, let's look at verse 1. It says, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Now we learn here about how Jesus Christ left Judea and he left out of necessity. Why did he leave out of necessity? Because of John. Okay. He did it for John's sake. Okay, because remember now, John had been a voice out there crying in the wilderness. John was receiving a lot of flack from people because they wanted to know who was he. Now that Jesus then showed up, they want to know. And so Jesus had to move on for John's sake because remember what John said. John said, behold, the Lamb of God coming that taketh away the sins of the world. John said this. John said he must increase so that I can decrease. See, he did it for John's sake. Because now it's time for John to decrease. Now, John will be thrown in prison after this, but Jesus left because of his sake. It was for the sake of John, his beloved. I mean, John the Baptist, you know. And so this is why he did it. I love that about Jesus, man. He's always sacrificing himself for somebody else. And so he did this, man, for John's sake. Whatever he does, he does for our sake, y'all. Whatever he was doing right here, man, in this episode, he's doing it for our sake. Because he had to keep it moving. He had to increase so John could decrease. John could not decrease unless Jesus increased. And Jesus knew this. And so he did this for John's sake. Why? John wanted to decrease. But John knew the only way he could is Jesus had to increase. You know. And so he did this for John's sake. Through Jesus, uh, verse 2 says, Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples. Meaning, Jesus was out there, now he had disciples with him, just like John had baptized unto repentance, but Jesus was out there supervising his disciples baptizing. Okay, but they said Jesus was baptizing. But it was actually his disciples were baptizing. Now, he, he was supervising. He was right there to make sure that they, you know, that they were baptizing like, you know, they were supposed to, you know. Goes on in verse 3, and said he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And verse 4 said, and he must needs go through Samaria. Now you see the trip beginning to unfold right here. This is why Jesus had to keep going. He knew that woman was at that well waiting to meet him. See, that's all knowing God. You know, that's all knowing God. That, that's a good example of an all knowing God. You know, you know, he's a living water. He's all knowing. He's all powerful. He's all present. He's a living word. See, he knows all things, you know. You know, he's Alpha, he's Omega, beginning to end. He knows everything, you know. And so he had to leave because John had really prophesied and told them about him, you know, that he was going to come and increase and John was going to decrease. In other words, Jesus had to continue to go and seek and to save those people that were lost, those people that were bound. You know, John was baptizing in the repentance. Jesus was out, the disciples out there baptizing. They had did as by the much work as they could do there. So he knew that there was work that was calling him other places. So he had to continue to go. You know, he had to continue to walk in and, and do what the call of God on his life was calling him to do. Amen. And so he moved on. Uh, verse. Uh, so now we're going to see um, he he he's going to continue because Jesus, just like us and anybody else, have a destiny. OK, his destiny while he was on earth was to end up back with his father. That was his destiny and finish his earthly work and then let his destiny arrive him back to that glory with the father. 
So he had to keep it moving, as we hear Pastor Peeper say a lot of time. He had to keep it moving. Let me tell you something. When you're in ministry, a lot of times you can get bogged down too long dealing with people that, you know, that don't have your best interest in heart. I'm not telling you to kick them to the curb, but I'm also telling you not to enable them. You know, the Bible says it like this. If there are people of peace there, they'll receive you. Then accept what they accept how they receive you. Do what you have to do. But if they don't, shake the dust off your feet and keep moving. And bid your God's peace with them. Leave God's peace with them and keep going. That's what Jesus did. Don't sometimes get stuck too long enabling people. You know, you give them the word of God. You keep giving them the word of God. But keep your spirit open for the Holy Ghost. Because sometimes the Holy Ghost will tell you to, get, to, get, to move on. I've had to do that before. There were other times before I matured a little bit in Christ, I, I just spent too much time and resources trying to get them to turn. You know, but as I grew and matured, I, I started reading the scriptures, and it started telling me, sometimes, brother, you got to shake the dust off your feet and keep moving. Uh, there was other times I learned, don't cast your pearls among swine. You know, y'all know that I used to do a Monday night and a Tuesday night. I used to be on the line. I, I've, I've abandoned that. I've moved on from that. I've cut that loose because the Lord told me the other week, he said, look, don't cast. You know, that's what he, he's like. He said, stop casting, you know, and, and, and I didn't, I, you know, I didn't go any further than that. I just did what the Lord told me to do. He said, it's time. Stop casting. And I know the scripture said, stop casting your pearl among swine. But he didn't, he didn't go all the way and say that. He just said, stop casting, you know, and that's what I did. I moved on. And sometimes you have to do that. You have to, you have to do that. And this is what Jesus is doing right here. He's moving on. Because he has a destiny. We have a destiny. I have a destiny. And I can't let sometimes people that don't want to go. You think about Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 24 when he went up into the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was offered. He took the, the, the John, Peter, and James with him, his inner circle. And he, they're the ones he told, wait right here and pray and tarry for one hour while I go over yonder and pray. See, you get to a point in life sometimes where you begin to realize you serve God for you. You don't serve God for anybody else. You know, it's called a solitary experience. Jesus right now is operating in a solitary mode, even though he's got these three disciples with him and other disciples. But he's not losing focus of with the solitary call on his life. You can't lose focus of the solitary call on your life. Pastor Sharon is going to have to stand before God for Pastor Sharon. I'm going to have to stand before God for Pastor Lester. Pastor Phoebe for Pastor Phoebe, Pastor Eric for Pastor Eric. Minister Smith for Minister Smith, Minister Bigger for Minister. I'm not going to be able to stand for her. I'm not going to be able to stand for her. Now, there's going to be a, 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 a judgment of God for what we told his people if we steered them wrong. Now, if we steered them right, that's just going to be a, a part of our reward. But if we steered them wrong, we're going to have to give an account of that. But we're going to have to stand, first of all, before him as individuals. Then we get to stand as pastors. That's why some of these folks out there need to be very careful how they, how they lead their flock. Because you got to give an account of that, you, especially if you lead them astray. But I love Jesus here, man, because this is a solitary thing that he's doing right here. So he has to, he has to at the same time he's out there helping people and he's got disciples with him, baptizing them and, and supervising them, he also has a solitary destiny, too, that he's got to defend and protect. And so he's moving on toward his destiny here. And uh, he had to go. He couldn't just stay there and hang out with John and them. You know, he had to go. He had to go on, man, because there was other people that he had to encounter, people he had to meet. And sometimes we just have to keep it moving, y'all, because there's other work that God want to do through us. Uh, verse 5, he says, Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, 
As you see, he keep moving now from Judea. He's, he, he's on the move, which is called Sychar. It's a little small city outside of the city, uh, out there in Samaria. Uh, wasn't very popular because a lot of Samaritans lived there. They hung out there uh, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his sons, Joseph. Now you think all the way back when, 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 when he gave this land to them, there was a well put there. Jacob's well was put there. So we understand the history of this, of this particular piece of property. Remember the young lady she's telling Jesus about, about how that well ended up there. You know, she, she's got some recollection of her history. But see, Jesus ain't focused on that, but he don't, he don't beat her up about that. He don't dog her out or down her about that. He's trying to elevate her mind to, to living waters. You know, he he want to give her living water. So he's trying to elevate her mind. Uh, she came there for natural water, but he's coming to offer living water because he is the living water. And so he's got to listen to her conversation because that's how you win people sometimes. You listen and you discern, you know, and then you tell them what the real deal is. So it says here, you know, he left so he could go and confront it's a Samaritan woman to do so, he knew he had to enter into this place called Sychar of Samaria. He knew he had to do that, but he had to go confront this woman. Uh, knew her need before he ever met her. Verse 6, he says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour, and he was weary. And he sat there, he sat by the well. And so we know what happened when he sat there on the well. He knew Jesus is so wild. He knew this, this Samaritan woman, he was going to have to confront her. He knew she was coming there because he knew her need. He knew she needed that living water or she would have been coming to that well every day, going through that abuse, you know, life never changing. But Jesus already came to meet her need. You know, he already came as living water, even though he was weary, even though he was tired, but he was still living water, you know. Verse 7, he says, There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. In other words, he requested a drink from a woman. Now, you got to understand in that day, this was kind of unacceptable. But Jesus wasn't about what was unacceptable. He was about what was acceptable. You know, and, you know, he, can't, he said, look, uh, the kingdom of God is not made up about men, men's tradition. He said the kingdom of God is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if anybody aimed to please him in these things, they will be accepted of God and approved of men in that order. Okay. Now, this woman, man, she she knew she was never going to be accepted of men. But here she are having a conversation with the Lord and God knew what was in her heart. He knew she was he knew where she was at. He knew she had a great need and he's testing her right now to see if she would accept him and accept what he was offering in order sometimes to accept what God is offering you. You got to allow God to accept you. You got to present yourself to him. You can't be afraid of him, but you got to give yourself to him. Okay. You got to talk to him, you know, because he knows everything about you. And I love this about this woman. Finally, man, she was not afraid to have a conversation with a man because they weren't even supposed to be talking. But it was something that she recognized about Jesus. She said, I perceive that you are a prophet. You know, so, so all of a sudden the air was clear. The communication channel was open. God was meeting her where she was at. And, and, and in a situation, Pastor Sharon, where it was not even supposed to take place because it's Jesus 
who came to seeking to save the lost, things were already working in her favor. And she realized there's something special about, you got to realize there's something special about Jesus. He ain't like no other prophet. He ain't like no other man. He ain't like no other apostle, no bishop, or no pastor. It's just something about Jesus. He has a way of getting your attention sometimes without even you knowing who you're talking to or who you're dealing with. You know. And so we see an impossible thing happening here because these things are not possible with man. Now, if them other disciples would have been there, they'd have been beating her down, dogging her out. What are you doing down here this well? You know, get your contaminated butt back up in them woods. Go back home. You ain't supposed to be out here drinking this water. You're going to poison this well, you know. But Jesus wasn't like that. He was totally different. Why? It's because he, 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 he came to be accepted, but he had to accept those who were going to accept him. I love that about him, you know, meeting them where they're at, you know, you know, want her to have that living water. Goes on in verse eight, you know, and says, for his disciples were going away. Uh, they were going away unto the city to buy meat. They got other things on their mind for he said, my meat is always do the will of him who sent me. Four disciples had gone for food. My God, they gone for food. Now, Jesus out here, man, saving souls and they worrying about feeding that flesh. Man, we were talking about this yesterday. A lot of folks up in the pulpit worrying about feeding that flesh and not feeding the people. The spiritual food. Uh, we see Jesus' mission. We ought to pattern our mission after Jesus' mission. We can eat later, you know, but, but God's people, man, are perishing for a lack of knowledge. We got to feed them some spiritual matter, some spiritual food, you know. Goes on in verse 9 and said, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest me, um, ask his drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. Mm. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. There it is right there. She knew this. The woman questioned Jesus. She was shocked that Jesus talked with her. My God. Man, when you have an encounter with Jesus, it can, it can be shocking to you. The, when you understand how much he loved you, that he was willing to die for you. Sometimes that'll shock people when you tell people a sinner, look, God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But if you believe not, you're already condemned. It'll shock people sometimes, that reality. You know, The only reason she questioned Jesus was because of racial prejudice. Man, all the way back then, we see racial prejudice because he was not supposed to have any contact with a woman, number one, especially a Samaritan woman. No man was supposed to have any contact in their right mind with these people. That was, that was racism back then. That was prejudice. But man, Jesus come to defy all of that stuff that man say. He, he died for everybody. God so loved the world. These are God's creatures. These are God's soul. These are God's lives. These are God's people. You know. And God said, that that you do to the least of them, you do also unto me. You know, this woman needed this living water. And Jesus was sent their man to give it to her. You know, not, and he had to look beyond the prejudice and the racism. Verse 10, it said, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that thou that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Yes. Yes. See, my God is living water, is alive. Jesus, uh, just like Jesus is the living word, now we see him as the living water. You know, the living water is of God. It's not of nobody else. It's of God. It is the gift of God. It is given by the asking for it. And watch what's going to happen now. Look at verse 11. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou have nothing to draw with. Oh, he drew her there. And the well is deep. 
From whence then hast thou this living water? We learn here that living water is from a special person. Everybody can't provide you with living water. You can buy all that holy water if you want to, you know, spend your money. One who happens to be much greater than a religious father, a priest, or a bishop, or an apostle. They're selling all this stuff up in the church these days, calling it holy because somebody laid hands on it and prayed over it. Or a common person can't do it. None of them can produce any living water. Only the person that God chooses. And Jesus was that living water chosen by the Father. Verse 12, he said, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? You know, she said, which gave us the well right here on this piece of land and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Verse 13, he says, Jesus answered. Look, Jesus always gives an answer and it's always the right answer. It's an answer that you can live with. You know, it don't confuse you, but it actually answers your question. You know, and it said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water that I'm going to give you, thou shalt thirst again. The living water is the only water that will quench a spiritual thirst, you know, and I'm the only one that can give you this water because I'm the only one that my father gave it to to give to you. you. Verse 14, and we're going to end here. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And we read that over in the book of Jeremiah chapter 22 verses, all those verses, that's what it talks about. But I love the book of John chapter 7 verse 37 and verse 38. Out of your belly, once you drink it, it shall continue to flow like a well springing up out of your belly as rivers of living water. You know, spring up or well, you know, and flood my soul. Spring up or well and make me whole. You know, that living water. Jesus Christ, if you got Jesus Christ, then you have received living water and you ought to let that water be in you a, a, a well of salvation, a springing up of living water, you know, because that's what God gives us. The Holy Spirit is that living water in us. He quickens that water. He causes that water to spill over in us, you know, and it just floods out of our souls sometimes. And sometimes you hear it as we're praying in the Holy Ghost. That's that living water. Amen. And so we're going to end right there. The revelation of Jesus Christ, the living water. Amen and amen. Well, praise God. Father, we thank you this morning and we praise you this morning for this lesson, this teaching, this new revelation about the Jesus Christ being the living water, Lord God. He came to give himself as living water for everyone who's spiritually thirsty. We're praying for those out there this morning, Lord God, who are kind of dry spiritually, who need some, some, some spiritual living water to begin to move, God, in them, to be presented to them, to be given to them. And we're praying that they'll turn to Jesus right now. The lost will turn to Jesus. The back side of return to Jesus, the prodigal sons and daughters return to Jesus, Lord God, the gays, the straights return to Jesus, the mature, the immature return to Jesus, Lord God, and ask him to give them that drink, that those atheists out there, those different denominations out there that struggle with the deity of Christ, that they would turn to him as the woman turned to him at the well and ask for that water because he give it to anyone who asks, anyone that is a thirst for it, Jesus will make it available to them because he is the living water, just like he's the living word, and he's standing by right now, Lord God, to meet 
that thirst, to quench that thirst, Lord God, to feed that hunger right now for those out there who want spiritual bread and who want spiritual water right now. Jesus would give them that living water that had been given to him by the Father to give to them. And so, Father, we are praying right now in the name of Jesus for all those that are out there right now, that are thirsty right now, Lord God, that Jesus would fill them with that living water right now, that they'll never, ever thirst again if they drank this water. So we're calling them to the well right now, God, to drink this water that Jesus is offering right now, the living water, which is Jesus himself. And I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice that hear this message will receive this living water today. I declare and pray in the Lord God right now that the day is a day of salvation unto the Lord, that the day is a day, God, that many thirsty, spiritually thirsty souls out there will receive the living water, which is none other than Jesus Christ, Lord God. And I pray that they hear the call today, God, and they answer the call today that he's calling them to come and drink of that living water that they'll never thirst again. And so, Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor right now. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for the word, Father. All right, then. Well, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That concludes the teaching this morning. Amen. We'll pick up Thursday morning, verse 15 of the fourth chapter of John. Amen. All right, then. Well, praise the Lord.